Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. In the next two programs, I chat with Robert Wang, who fled the Chinese Civil War at the age of five and came to Hong Kong with nothing. He worked hard at his education and would later hang out with the likes of Lee Ka Shing, with his plan to take Hong Kong's tycoons to Singapore ahead of the handover. Robert Wang has written about his life and that of his aunt in his book *Walking the Tycoon's Rope*. This week, he tells me about his aunt, his beginnings in Shanghai, and the terrible journey to Hong Kong. I really wanted to leave a legacy for my grandchildren, you know, just to tell them what an imperfect grandfather uh, I am. You know, I, I was completely taken by surprise when Blacksmith said I would have it published.、Uh, so that was a bonus in a way, you know. Uh, I wouldn't have done it when I was 34 years old. I wrote the book when I was 68 at the tail end of my tail end of my life, so I thought it's okay, you know. I could get it, get away with it, so to speak. Yeah. How did you feel to be writing about you know your impoverished family background in Shanghai?、Um, also, some of your relatives. It was, had been a tough life for some of them.、Mm. Um, was it quite、mm. cathartic to write something like this? Yeah. Well,、uh, actually, one reason why I wrote this book. Uh, it's because of my aunt. She had a miserable, miserable life, you know.、Uh, she was given away to my father's uncle, and that family, the Thai family, had already taken in the elder sister, refused to take in the second daughter, and she was raised as a servant, living with the servants, you know. And she told me this. When she told me the story, I just couldn't believe it. You know, I went back to Shanghai several times. She kept on telling me the same story.、Um, I said, "I'll write a book about it." And she said, "By all means, but don't do it when I'm still alive. You know, wait until I'm gone, then you write the book." So I made her a promise that I would write about her story. And one thing just led to another. You know, I wrote the story. Because I wanted to give a copy of the book translated into Chinese, into uh, uh, to, to 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 her family members, and that was the main reason why I wrote the book. Yes, her life was incredible, as you say. She was given away by her parents、um, to be raised, as you say, by her father's uncle's family.、Um, so, in fact, she didn't see her. Biological parents for years,、mm. and was more、um, her mother to her was one of the armors. Yeah, that's right.、Um, she didn't return home until she was sixteen、uh, years old. You know, and she was discovered, so to speak, when there was a big party that was given for the fortieth birthday of、uh, her uncle, and one of the great grand uncle saw her. And approach her and say, "Aren't you so and so? You know, why are you working as a servant?" And all the pent up grievances at that point of time、uh, came erupted like a major volcanic eruption. She poured out her stories, you know,、uh, and that 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 was the reason why she eventually left home. She went back to Shanghai, looked for her family, and found her family. But she was never rejected,、uh, accepted、uh, by her. Family members, particularly her mother, you know.、Uh, so it's a very, very sad story. And then, having having been back home for two or three months, the mother said, "You, you are a drain on our very limited resources. We have no money, you know. So you have to go out to work." So she was forced to work in a factory, and then eventually, 
the mother had her pen off to a guy she had never let, met uh, before. You know, so it was a blind marriage. Um, there was no love between the two of them. But the funny thing is, uh, once you get to know each other, you know, uh, she fell in love with the man. The man was uh, a diehard pessimist. He was a very un unhappy person. And one day, he was going home. He was on a bus. The bus came to a century point just by the side of the river. All passengers had to get off and take a big bow at a Japanese soldier. And he was very upset this morning because somehow the night before he went home, he saw his house having been partially bombarded, demolished. This was in Shanghai. So he got off the bus like every other passenger, but he refused to take a big bow at the Japanese soldier. And he was asked then and then to, to kneel by the side of the century box, yeah. and it was in the bitter cold of uh, winter. The next year, he, he was working for a British import and export company like Dotwell, you know. Um, the English boss came to look for him, came to his rescue. By the time they found him, he was already half frozen, you know. They, 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 he, they took him to the hospital. I think he died on the way to hospital. So it's a very, very sad story, I have to say. The sort of thing that would never happen in this life. Um, well, I'm pleased in, in the sense that my life straddled the two worlds. The world that was really backward, that was really miserable, uh, that was in the state of uh, constant turmoil, uh, constant war, uh, and people have to live through unbelievable hardships, you know, a great deal of trials and tribulations, abject poverty and all this, you know, something, we can talk about it today. Certainly, I'm sure you haven't seen it, you know. Mm. Uh, I have seen it during my childhood, how backward China was in those days and how poor China was. So what was your aunt's name? Uh, my aunt's name is uh, Ting, Ting Chi. You came from Shanghai originally. As you said, you had a very poor upbringing. Can you describe to me that early life? Well, I remember my mother told me, and in fact, this is my earliest recollection, and I told my own grandson just yesterday, I say when Gong Gong was your age, four or five years old, uh, one day he was walking along the street in Shanghai, and he saw a hawker selling apple. He really wanted the apple. And when the hawker was busy attending to other customers, he whipped off one apple and put it into his pocket, you know. And then he was caught by the mother. The mother took me back to the hawker and forced me to return the apple and spanked me there, then and then until I screamed. Um, that was how poor we were, you know. Uh, there was never enough food. You never know. Um, and then my father came to Hong Kong in 1949. So my father came over as an accountant because the Imponese are supposed to be very trustworthy. They make very good accountants. You know, my word is my bond. And then a year later, and that was just after the liberation in Shanghai because that's my earliest recollection. Uh, I remember very distinctly, uh, I was issued this, the standard things to wear as a kid, you know. Uh, soldier uniform, hat, uh, and a waist, 
drum, uh, and then I have to put on red ribbons around my neck, and I have to hit my drum uh, in unison with uh, the other kids about my same age to welcome uh, the soldiers of, uh, of liberation. Um, so that was my earliest recollection. And thereafter... So the soldiers of liberation were who? Well, the communists. So what year were you born in? 1944, the year of the monkey. I remember the day that it's been printed indelibly in my mind. Uh, we were taken to the train station because we had to be reunited with my father who was really in Hong Kong. My mother told me I was about four, five years old and my sister about two years old, you know. Uh, and my grandparents were there and uh, there were a lot of uh, passengers boarding the train I remember very distinctly uh, and it was a very s sad occasion because my great my, my grandmother really loved me and then en route uh, from Hong Kong to Shanghai the train had to traverse the coastal plain you know because uh, and the uh, and the sovereignty at that time was disputed, you know. The, although Shanghai had fallen, uh, the coastal areas had not, and Chiang Kai-shek, his nationalist army, was busy moving. Uh, okay, so what year are we talking now? So you've been the, the drummer boy in Shanghai, welcoming in the communists. Shanghai was liberated at that point. Yeah. You're heading down to uh, Hong Kong now with your mum and your sister. Your father's already here. It all happened in the same year. I believe it's 1950. And then t the train going through the disputed area was constantly uh, subject to aerial bombardment and the train had to stop every now and then. My earliest recollections were soldiers uh, that are stationed on the roof surrounded by sandbags, many machine guns and orders. And whenever the plane... There was this Kuomintang... Soldiers. Yeah. No, no, they, these are not Kuomintang soldiers, these are communist soldiers. Kuomintang were attacking, they were protecting the route of retreat to, 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 to Taiwan, you know. Uh, and every now and then the plane had to come to an abrupt stop because it was in another area of attack and passengers had to scatter on the two sides of, uh, the railway track, you know. So one time there was this announcement to say, Bombardment, bombardment, you know, scatter, scatter. My mother just uh, carried my sister in one arm and pulled me off, and passengers were falling down, as I described in the book, like cascading water, you know. So my mother said, let's go as far away from the train as possible. So we ran for about 100, 200 yards at the very most and saw the area of bombardment, you know, a single uh, unitary plane uh, uh, unloaded bombs which explode near the track and on and on on, on, on the top of uh, the, 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 the the coaches, you know. And then when the bombardment ended, they buried the dead and attended to the injured, you know. And then the whistle was blown. That was a signal you had to go back to the train. So we have to run like mad, you know, because my fa my mother took us so far from the train that we have. To, we, we had to run doubly as fast. And by the time we reached the end car, the train was already moving, you know. And the passengers, you know, they were hanging out uh, from the end train and said, give me your hand, give me your hand. My mother actually tossed my sister onto the hands of one of the passengers. Uh, and then uh, she managed to push me forward. And she herself slipped, uh, slipped stumbled and fell, but managed to get 
again, find another hand to be dragged onto the coach. We were late for at least two days because my father was waiting for us just uh, by the side of the Jin Sa Choi Star Ferry clock tower. And seeing that we didn't arrive a day or two later, she, he thought we must have perished. You know, so many people would die en route to paradise, uh, Hong Kong. You know, where did you actually live with your parents? Grandview Road, you know, and facing the front garden, a small portion of front garden, is the back door uh, with with uh, rather steep concrete staircases that would lead you into the kitchen. And adjacent the kitchen, there was a servants' quarter. You know, a little room. No more than fifty, sixty square feet at the very most, and the family li uh, lived there. I remember the place was full of cockroaches, uh, rodents. Yeah. In those days, if you were to go to a famous noodle shop, you know, it's still there. The famous noodle shop now is in Wangpo Garden. You know, uh, you eat this noodle called dang dang mian. It's very good noodle, I have to say. There's no guarantee whether you you're eating beef or whether whether it's rat's meat. You know, and the refugees uh, survive on rats. Uh, uh, Hong Kong was uh, then infested by rats and snakes, so to speak. It was extremely backward, and the shanty shanty huts made of any material that refugees could lay hand on, covering a vast swath of land just below Lime Rock. And typical uh, uh, buildings in the 50s, you have this overhanging balconies, you know, and these balconies provided a shade for new arrivals. There were hundreds and hundreds of them. They set up tents, uh, uh, cooking utensils. I saw with my own eyes, you know, a family uh, was waiting for dinner to be served, a family of four. They were seated on the pavement and I saw four rats that were skin and clean, and the oil was sizzling hot. And picking up the rat one by one by the tail, it was dipped into the wok, you know. And they served dinner to the entire family. My thanks to Robert Wang, author of Walking the Tycoon's Rope. Next week, he tells me about becoming a lawyer and his association with Hong Kong's tycoons. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>